home. We're in a series that we just kicked off last week called Three Questions That Will Change Your Life. And uh, last week we kicked off with our first question. Does anybody remember what it is? Yeah, good. It was a great message then. (laughs) I might as well just stop here. Um, We talked about why am I here? Why am I here? And, uh, and we gave you three words to really just help you remember why you're here. And I made sure that they were rhyming so that way even a kindergartner could remember these three words. And so let's see if we can do a lot better here. What are the three words to know, grow? Yes. 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 Okay. So uh, to know, to grow, and to glow. We talked about really the whole purpose of why God has us on the planet, the, the whole reason why we, we do what we do ultimately is not so that we can do things for God, but that we can be with God. And that if we just are busy doing things, that we're missing the whole point, that God desires for us not to just follow rules and regulations, but that he desires a relationship with us. And we see all throughout scripture this desire for relationship and to know God and to be with him. And, and we called you extension cords and that we are extensions of God's power. And then we talked about growing and how we don't want to just stay where we're at, but we want to continue to grow and how changing a two-year-old's diaper is okay. Changing a 22-year-old's diaper is not cool. And so we, we talked about the importance of growing in our faith and, and how we need to keep taking steps and growing. And then, and then lastly about glowing and how everything that we do in our life is to, to glow for Christ and that, that people would see Christ in us and with us. And so if you did not get a chance to, to listen or to be a part of that message, uh, the really cool thing is all of our messages are online, by the way. You can go to osconnect.com, watch all of our, you can actually watch them all, watch the service itself. Um, you can also listen online or you can go to Facebook, our Facebook, our Savior's Church Jennings, and, uh, and watch them all there as well. And so that was part one. And, and so that was, I believe, the appetizer. Today is the main meal. And, uh, and so y'all ready for some filet mignon? Um, you know, at my house, it was hamburger helper, but uh, we didn't really do filet mignon. But, but at the church, only the, only the best for you. And so uh, today we're going to eat some steak and we're going to answer this question. Here's the big question that we're going to answer is what is God's will for my life? How many of you would be honest and say, you've asked that a couple of times. What is God? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And so that's, that's what we're going to ask today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick before we go any further and just, uh, just ask God to open our eyes to this. So Father, we, we love you today. God, I thank you for every person that's here, God. They, they made an effort to be here. They could be anywhere right now, but they're here. And, and I believe you're here. And we're here and you're here. And so God, I pray that we would have ears to hear your word like never before. I pray that you would give us eyes to see you in all of these scriptures that we go through. And God, more importantly, I pray that you would help make us into people that look more like Jesus today. God, we thank you for all that you want to do today. Thank you for this beautiful weather today. God, thank you for all that you're doing in this area and through this church. We give you all the praise. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You know, how many of you have, um, have problems making decisions? Just, just by show of hands, you have a problem making decisions. When it comes to a decision making, you have 
you have issues with it. Um, how many husbands do I have in the house? How many husbands do I have? Okay, how many guys in here? How many of you know making decisions with your wife can be a bit of a challenge at times? You'll, you're, you, they were like, I ain't, I ain't raising my hand. You get me in trouble. How many know when you leave this place, you're going to have to make a decision? You know what the decision is, right? What are we going to go eat? Have you ever asked your wife that question? And the answer is, I don't care, whatever you want. But the truth is, they do care. Because you're like, okay, let's go to La Rumba. Uh, I don't really, you know, I don't really want La Rumba. Okay, all right. Let's go to Wendy's. No, you know, I don't really want to do, do Wendy's. And you're like, what is going on here? You said you didn't care. Okay, well, and, and then it's, okay, what about pizza? Well, we just had pizza like 12 days ago. And so don't, don't start with Pizza Hut. Don't. And so how many, how many husbands feel me on this one? Okay. And so eventually, what do you say? You just choose. You just pick. And then she's like, no, I really don't want to pick. You pick. And then it becomes this battle of like, where do we pick? You know, hey, what do you want to do tonight? What movie do you want to go see? I don't really care. How about this one? No, I don't. Okay, stop that. You do. And then usually what ends up happening is they go, let's go here. Because that's where they wanted to go in the first place. But they wanted like telepathically hope that you decided to choose the place that they really wanted to go to. Y'all, ladies, you, yeah, you know. You know how this works. You do this well. We got... We, we make decisions all the time, you know, uh, from, from young, being a young kid, all the way as we grow up into adults, you know, the decisions get a little different. You know, when my boys wake up in the morning, the decision is, you know, cinnamon rolls or waffles. That's, that's the decision or, or cereal or whatever, you know, what am I going to do today? Am I going to play the Wii or play outside? Like, you know, life-changing decisions, you know what I mean? You know, and then as they get older and get into junior high and high school years, it's, you know, what, what am I going to wear and, and what car am I going to drive? The truth is you're going to drive whatever car your mom lets you drive. That's, what, that's what, right, parents? You, you don't get to choose on that anyways. And then, but as you get older, you know, the decisions get a little bit bigger and, and, and a little bit more uh, intense and you have to make decisions as you, you know, we have a lot of uh, high schoolers here that have graduated this year. And so the, the, the question is, do I go to college? Uh, if I do go to college, do I go to UL or do I go to McNeese or do I go to LSUE or do I go to Suella or do I just go jump right into a profession now and not go to college and skip all the debt and just move into that? But what if I, y'all with me here? Anybody? And then, and then it's okay. I choose the college. Then what's my major going to be? And then what classes am I going to take? And then you got all the decisions that's going to make. And then as you get into your young adult life, then it's, you know, who am I going to marry and what are they going to look like? And, 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 and where, where are we going to live? And then you finally get married. And then it's, are we going to have kids? And if we are, when are we going to have kids? And then now we have kids. And are we going to have two, three, a dozen? I don't know. How many are we going to have? And then it begins to progress from there. Where are we going to live? And what job am I going to have? And are we going to get a dog or a cat? Let me help you. A dog, okay? Get a dog. Um, cats are from the pit. And so... Um, Anyways, I just offended half of the crowd. <laughs> are we going to buy a house? Are we going to rent a house? What are we going to do? And then we say things like this. God, whatever your will is. But what does that mean? Have you ever really wondered what that is? 
Let me, let me help you out with this. Oftentimes, when it comes to discovering what God's will for our life is, we have some really bad methods on figuring it out. Let me share with you a couple bad methods on how to figure out God's will, and then I'll, then I'll walk you through how we actually should do it. The first method of a bad method is what I call the fleece method. We've all done it. And this is how the fleece method works. Okay, God, I got a job. I got to decide if I'm going to take it or if I'm not going to take it. Tomorrow, if it rains, I'm taking it. If it doesn't rain, I'm not taking it. Have you all ever done something similar to that? There's a, guy, there's a story of a guy who, who was trying to decide if he wanted to go eat at Popeye's or not. Because his wife's been on him about eating at Popeye's. He shouldn't be eating at Popeye's. And he said, God, listen, if I'm supposed to eat at Popeye's, there will be a front row empty parking spot for me. And the fourth time around the block, there was a front <laughs> row parking spot right there for me. He said, it must be the Lord. It must be God's will. We often do that, though, don't we? We, we throw out these fleeces, you know. If this is going to happen, then, then let them say this or let this happen, and then I know that it's God's will. There's another way. There's the flipping point method. Maybe some of you have done this before where you flip open the Bible and you just point, and then whatever scripture is that you read, that's like, that's like your verse. That's your confirmation. Well, there's a guy who actually did that. And so he flips open the Bible and he points and it's in Genesis. And I actually got it for you. It's Genesis chapter, we got it? Can we put that on the screen for me? Genesis 19.35. So they got drunk and slept with him. And he's like, oh my God, no. And so he throws his Bible to the New Testament, flips and he points. And when he points, the next verse is in Luke. And it says this, so go and do likewise. I mean... I mean, no, that's not, a, that's not a good method, okay? Don't do that method. You know, people fling their Bible, and Judas hung himself. Like, no, that's not a good one, okay? Don't, don't do that method. Oftentimes, when we think of the will of God, though, we often think of it being very much like a maze. Um, y'all ever, you know, been out to eat with your kids, you know, and they get those little kitty like, coloring pages, and, and sometimes they'll have, like, those mazes on it where you got a starting point, and you got to kind of work through all the things to get to the end point. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And oftentimes, I think, when it comes to the will of God, we think of the will of God much like that. We think that we, you know, we start out in this kind of journey, and then we get to kind of a crossroads where we can take a left or a right, and then it's like, God, whatever your will is, and then if we take a right, the only bad thing is if we take a right— we go to a stop place, and we got to turn back around and go a whole nother direction. And so what ends up happening is there's this immense amount of pressure that gets put on us to make sure that we go left when we're supposed to go left instead of going right. And so what ends up happening is we have tons of anxiety and worry. What if, what if this job isn't the right job? And what if it's this job? And what if, what if I'm supposed to marry her and not her? And what am I supposed to do? And we, we go into this kind of decision dilemma because there's all these options and we're trying to figure out what in the world to do. And what if I, what if I marry her and I'm not supposed to marry her and then I'm not in God's will? And then what happens now? Because I married her, he was supposed to marry her. Now he's not in God's will and she was supposed to marry him. Now she's not in God's will. It's like a domino effect. Y'all with me here? And so we often believe, though, that there's just these one set things of this has got to be God's will. And then if I take a right, I'm going to be out of God's will. And my desire today 
is to make God's will so easy for you to understand. And actually, by the time we're done today, you're going to know what God's will is for your life. Come on, that's a big promise, huh? Let's hope I can deliver. Okay, no, you will. You're going to know. Because it's actually more simple than we make it out to be. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29. If you got some notes with me, wave them at me just so I can see that you got them. Good. We are a note-taking church. We believe in taking notes here because as you write it down, as you read it, and as you hear it, it, it brings a lasting memory to your brain. And so we, that's why we love taking notes. And then we got binders out there that are free. You can take any of our binders for free and keep these notes so you can go back to them and uh, remember them. But Deuteronomy chapter 29. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to break up this, this message into two parts. So this first part that we're about to go into, I'm going to share, is the theological side of the will of God. Now, the theological side is not necessarily means it's got to be extremely deep, but I want to share the biblical foundations of the will of God. There's three parts to the will of God. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to share the practical side of the will of God. And uh, like I like to do, I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one, okay? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to make it real practical, real simple, that when you leave here today, you can do these things. And so that's, that's our desire today. So let's talk about the theological side. We're going to talk about three parts of God's will. And so if you got some notes, I want you to write this down. The works of God, this is what God is doing. Okay, the first part is the works of God. The works of God, what God is doing. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, it says this. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. How many know there are just some things that happen in this world that you don't know why they happen, but they just happen, and God just does them, and he doesn't invite you to put in your input? Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are some things that God does in this world that you don't know why he does it, but he just does it. There's some things that happen in our world that he doesn't come to you and go, hey, what do you think I should do? He just does those things. And Deuteronomy 29 says these are the secret things of God, that God has things that are secret, that are concealed, that you and I don't know about. And oftentimes, the easiest way for us to understand God's will is for us to understand and to know his will, to know the works of God, to understand why he does what he does. Any of y'all had a family member that's maybe passed away early? They should have never passed away. I had a grandfather who was 56, died of a massive heart attack in a bank bathroom in Houston, Texas. And our family was shocked, and, and there was a lot of mourning and all that, and, and I don't know why it happened. I don't understand why God took him so early, but that is the secret things of God, the works of God. There are things that God is doing in this earth that we have no clue that he's doing, but he's doing things and God is moving and it's ultimately for his purpose. And so there's a part of who God is that's the works of God, that God is doing things on this earth with or without you. He's doing things. The second part, though, is the part that I want us to really focus in on, and then we'll talk about the third part. But the second part is the ways of God. These are what God desires for us, the ways of God. So the first part, the works of God, is what we'd also call the concealed will of God or the sovereign will of God, that God is working and doing things. The second part, the ways of God, is what we call the revealed will of God. And the revealed will of God is the, is the part of God's uh, will that we know because of this. 
that God has given us his word to show us how he wants us to live. We say this all the time, but God's ways work. God's ways work. How do you know God's ways? Through God's word. And so there are things in God's word that he shows us his ways and he shows us his desires. Let me prove it to you. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Let's keep reading the verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are what? Come on, say it again. That are revealed belong to who? They belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now listen to me when I say this. God will never, 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 ever, ever call you to do something that is against this. Okay? There's nothing that God will ever call you to do that is against his word. This is the revealed word of God, the ways of God. How many know the Ten Commandments? that were given thousands and thousands of years ago, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, commit adultery. How many know those still commandments on how we are to live are still the same commandments that we're to live today? They're the same things that's supposed to happen today. Every day, these commandments, the way God's called us to live are true, they're not negotiable. Now listen, they may not be easy, they may not be convenient, but they are clear. God has given us a way that we are to do our marriages, way that we are to live our lives. He's, he's told us in his word how we are to do this. This is why we are a church that builds everything on this, because this is the only thing that is sure. This is the only thing that is concrete. This is the only thing that hasn't changed. And I don't care what bill gets passed. God made male and female, period. Now listen, we have compassion, so much compassion for people who are confused with where they are in this whole transgender thing that's going on. But listen to me, you need to be very vocal with your superintendents, with your governor. We, we elected this, by the way, just want to let you know, we elected this. And so what we get is what we've elected, and, 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 but there's no bill There's no law that will ever be passed that can contradict this that we don't stand up for. And when it comes to this, we have compassion. We have compassion for the LGBT. We have compassion for people who who are, are confused of where their gender is. But we are not confused. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and 3 are very clear that in the beginning, God made male and female. It's what he did. And so, listen, as a church, we will continue to stand and preach what this says. I don't care what culture says. If this says it, this is the way we live it. Amen? It's just how it is. Because what people want to do is they want to take this and they want to make this fit what they want it to say. But that's not us. That's not what we do. We take this and we make our lives change to what it says. We don't make this change to what we want it to say. And so there's, this is the ways of God, that God's called us to live a certain way. All right, here's the third part. The third part is the will of God. This is what God is directing. This is how God is directing us. So this is what I would call the gray area of our lives. These are the areas of our lives where the Bible doesn't speak. Man, it would have been so awesome when I was in the dating 
phase of my life, in my bachelor days, that I could have opened up the Bible to Joshua 3, verse 7, and it said, Josh, marry no other woman except Lindsay Elizabeth Talley. That's your girl. Like, that would have been awesome. I would have gotten rid of a lot of other ladies that were in my life. But it didn't say that. It didn't say that. It doesn't say, hey, go to college. No, go get a job. It doesn't say, it, it doesn't tell us the specifics. There's a lot of gray area in the, in the areas of our lives that we have questions and decisions that we've had to make that the Bible is not specifically clear about. And oftentimes, we want to know the what, we want to know the when, and we want to know the where. We want to know, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? When do you want me to do it? Right? That's what we're asking God all the time. What, when, and where? I want you to write this down because I want this to be, and I want you to really soak this statement in because this is a statement that I think if you can really grasp, it's going to be extremely freeing to you when it comes to understanding God's will. And here's, 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 here's the phrase. God is less concerned with the what, the where, and the when, and much more concerned with the how, the why, and the who. God is less concerned with what, where, and when, and much more concerned with how, why, and who. All right. I want you to look at me when I say this. How I live my life is more important than where I live. Why you show up to work is more important than where you work. Who you are in Christ is more important than what you do for a living. Let's take college, for example. We're so consumed oftentimes, you know, with a lot of high school graduates right now. What college do I go to? Where do I go? Can I just say this? God is so much less concerned about where you go to college as much as he is concerned about why you're going to college. He's concerned about how you're going to live when you get there. And he's concerned about who you're going to be when you are there. That's what he's concerned about. We're so, we're, 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 our, our lives are, are such in panic because we want to know what to do. We want to know where to do it and when to do it that we totally miss that God is more concerned about how we do it and who we are in the midst of that. Can I just say this? God doesn't care what job you choose. Choose a job, get a job, and then work for God's glory at the job. Be a Christian at the job. Do what God's called you to do at the job. God's will is not a roadmap for us to find. It's a relationship for us to follow. Often, this is what we would love for God to do. We'd love God to say, Here's, we would love for this Bible to actually fill in all the gray areas, right? We would love for us to flip open the Bible and it says, send your kids to this school, John three seventeen, and 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 don't go watch this. To, we, we would love for there to be specifics in the Bible of what we to do. Are we supposed to rent a house or buy a house? Let me, let me open up the, the roadmap and find out what exactly I'm supposed to do. But, but it's not in here. So then what? The truth is, is that it's not in here because if it was in here, then we would be people who would follow rules and regulations more than wanting the relationship. We would take God's roadmap and we'd say, God, I don't need you. I got your roadmap. Right? But the reason that God doesn't give us the details is because he's more concerned about, the, about us being with him than he is with us just doing things for him. So, with that being said, I want to show you a verse. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. This is a very familiar verse, but I want you to see it in the context of what we're talking about here with that God desires not only just for us to know his will, but for us to be with him. Look, it says, trust in the Lord. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your what? On your own understanding. Now watch this. Now watch this. And in all your All your what? Ways. Now remember, we talked about this. There's the works of God. There's the ways of God. There's the will of God. And this is what he said. In all your ways, in everything that you do, acknowledge who? Acknowledge him. And now watch this. When you acknowledge him, watch what he's going to do. He's going to make your path straight. So you want to know what to do? Acknowledge him in your ways, in how you live, in who you are, in in what you do. You acknowledge him, and when you do that, he makes your way straight. So let me put it a different way. The more I live God's way, the better I can discern God's will. Let me put it a different way. Um, God is more concerned with us being consumed with a person than with a place, God's will is a person, not a place. He wants it to be about him, that we would know him, that we would grow in him, that we would glow in him. What if the center of God's will is when I'm just walking in his ways? Well, let me show you. Let me prove this to you. Colossians chapter 3. Look at this verse. And what's that word? Come on, let's say it with some gusto. And whatever. What, what college do I go to? Whatever. Hey, what are we going to eat? Whatever. Hey, where are we going to go? Whatever. 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 And whatever you do in word and in deed, do, what's that word? Everything. What? Everything. So whatever and everything. Do everything, everything. Now watch out. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Now I want you to notice, is God concerned about what you do? No, he says in whatever. What is he concerned about? He's concerned about everything. But I want you to see, he's concerned about how you do it. He's concerned about why you do it, and notice he's concerned about who you do it for. He says, and in everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why are you doing this? Is this in your name or is it in his name? And then how are you doing? Are you, do, are you giving thanks? Are you, this is the how. And then who? Thanks to who? To God. So no matter what, no matter where you are in life, no matter what job you chose, no matter what school you went to, no matter what husband you chose, this is saying that in in everything that you do, whatever that is, in everything that you do, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus? What does that mean? Let me, I'm going to give you something real simple. You can write it down. It's a simple little thing. To do everything in the name of the Lord means to do it for the good of others and the glory of God. That's what it means. That everything that we do, you mean like staying home and like taking care of my kids and folding laundry and cooking for them? Yeah, everything. 
whatever you do. You mean like in this job that I have that I really don't care for? Yeah, in everything, whatever you do, that you would do it in two ways, that you would do it to give God the glory, that you would glory, that God would get the glory for what you do, and that it would be for the good of others. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Watch this. So whether you eat or drink or... <laughs> yeah, let's get... You need to have a little sass when you say that. Whatever. <laughs> or whatever you do... Now watch this. Whatever you do, do all what? To the... To the glory of God. Whatever you do, just do it all to the glory of God. Whatever it is. God, what is your will for my life? Whatever. Just do it to the glory of God and for the good of others. Oh, where's the good of others in here? Okay, well, let me show you that since you're asking all these great questions. First Peter 4, 10 through 11. Look at this. And God has given each of you a what? A gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now watch this. Use them well to what? Serve. <laughs> serve who? Yeah, we kind of trailed on that. Everybody's like, serve. <laughs> okay, let's rewind. Let's rewind. To serve one another. Okay, good. You're getting good. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, man, y'all seeing these words, they're like all over the scripture. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Everything that you do will bring God glory. You know, I, I mean, I, I look back at my life. Man, there's so many decisions that I had in my life. When I, was in, when I was in Texas, I had to make a decision to come to Louisiana. I could have stayed, stayed where I was or I could have came to Louisiana and I felt like I needed to just go to Louisiana. And then when I got to Louisiana here, I had to make a decision on after I graduated on my internship, was I going to go back to Texas and take care of my mother or was I going to come to Jennings and be on staff here? And can I tell you something? Either one of them that I would have choose, chosen, I think God would have still worked in. I'm glad I chose here. But I think either one I, I would have done that God would have used me either way. I really do. I think we get so locked in on it's got to be this or this, and we get so freaked out that we don't realize, you know what? Whatever job you choose, just do it for the glory of God and for the good of others. And you'll be in the middle of God's will. We, we get so freaked out thinking that we're not in God's will, but if you're doing God's ways, I believe you're in the middle of God's will. No matter where you are, in everything, in whatever, that if you're doing God's ways, you'll be in the middle of God's will. Now, I want to show you something because with this, we've got to ask ourselves two questions. And so uh, I want you to write these two questions down. You'll, you'll have some blanks, so you're going to get to write these down. But these are questions we've got to personally ask ourselves. So I'm asking everybody in this room to ask yourself these two questions. Here's the first one. What am I doing that I should not be doing? I'm going to encourage you. These are actually questions that you should be asking yourself every day. If you, if you regularly spend time with God, these are your questions that you should be asking God. God, is there something that I'm doing that I should not be doing? 
David actually asked this of God all the time, and we have it written in God's word in Psalms 139, and this is what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous what? Hey, look, there's the word again. If there's any grievous way in me, and now watch this, and now lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, as a pastor, my job is not to convict you. That's not my job. My job is to, is to point you to Jesus, that you would know him and that you would grow in him. And here's the truth. When you know him and grow in him, he'll take care of you. I was, uh, we were, we're at, we, we just kicked off a, a new men's life group at Don's Wholesale here in Jennings. And, um, cause we know every car dealer needs Jesus. And, um. We had 26 guys at our first one, by the way. 26 men becoming better husbands, fathers. And if you're a man in here, I'd love to see you. I'd love to see you at, at one of ours. We've got three different times that we meet. But um, so yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and uh, we, we wrapped up um, with our time together. And one of the guys pulls me in his office. He says, hey, can I meet with you? I said, sure. And he says, um, I got a question to ask you. And I said, Okay. So you never know what's about to come out when anybody says that to you. And he says, what does God think about my drinking? <laughs> and I said, you're going to hell. No, I didn't say that. Um, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <clears throat> you know what I said? I said, I don't think God cares. His eyes got like this big. He says, are you serious? I said, I think he's way more concerned about your heart than your drinking. Because every time I read throughout scripture, Jesus didn't go and confront the adulterer or the, 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 the prostitute and say, stop sinning. You know what he did? He came in and he said, you know what? You're forgiven. I love you. And when that person experienced the love of God in their heart, they stopped sinning. We're so worried about fixing out the outside and God's more worried about the inside. We're so worried about what God thinks about all the behaviors that we do. And I think, honestly, God does care about it, but he cares a lot less about it than you think because he's way more concerned about your heart than he is your behavior because he realizes if he can get your heart, he can get your behavior. And the guy was like, oh my God, that's so good. I said, you need to write that down. So my job, listen, my job is not to convict you. I'm not up here beating the sheep. My job is that you would know God. My job is to help you grow in God. Because when you know God and you grow in him, he'll deal with that. He'll deal with your anger towards your spouse. He'll deal with your unforgiveness towards your sibling. He'll deal with your, your, your foul language. He'll deal with all that. That's not my job, though. He does all that for him. Praise God, huh? Hey, the same is in your marriage, by the way. I'm not Lindsay's Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife, um, but she, we encourage one another. We challenge one another. But my job's not to convict her. My job's not to change her. And her job's not to change me. And I can tell you what, when she gets before the Lord and says, God, you deal with him, I'm like, oh, no, don't be praying that. All right. <laughs> Because God deals with me. He does. And that's the same in your marriage. 
And so what is it that you are, what am I doing that I should not be doing? What lifestyle are you living right now that you shouldn't be doing? That the Bible clearly says, don't do this. Here's the second question. What am I not doing that I should be doing? (laughs) So not only should there are things in my life that I should stop doing, but there might be some things in your life that you should start doing. Because the truth is, until you do God's will, you won't discover God's will. I'll put it this way. Until you start living God's way, you won't discover God's will. Because God has ways for us to live. And he says, if you live my way, you'll begin to see my will. See, the problem is, most of us, most of us don't want to do God's will. We want God to bless our will. <laughs> right? We want to come to church and say, God, you just bless me, take care of me, help my marriage, help my family, give me money. Uh, God, do this. God, do that. And then God says, well, I would like you to live this way. And you're like, ah, I really don't care about that. I, I just want you to come and take care of me. And so what are the things in our lives that we are not doing that sh- we should be doing? Are you involved in a church somewhere? It doesn't have to be here. Christianity is not about being in a church, but the Bible talks about the church as a family and that the church, I believe the church is not an event you go to, it's a family you belong to. And so I would encourage you to get plugged in somewhere, to get involved somewhere. Remember that verse we read that you have a gift and you need to use it? You need to be a part of the body of Christ in some form or some fashion? What is it that you should be doing? Maybe you, maybe you put work over your family and you should stop doing that as much and focus more on your marriage and your family. Maybe you, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. God speaks to you. But what is it that you're not doing that you should be doing? Okay, let me wrap this whole thing up by sharing three questions that we could ask when it comes to trying to discern what is God's will for our life. How many of you have a decision that you've got to make in the, in the coming weeks or so that you've got to make? There's some decisions that need to be made. Okay. One of y'all. Great. Okay. Well, I'm talking to you. Two of y'all. Okay. Great. Talking to you too. Everybody else, y'all can leave. Um, I'm just kidding. So how do I know if it's God's will? Let me, give you, let me give you a filter process on how you can figure out if this is what God wants you to do. Here's the first one. What does the Bible say? We've got to go there first. I've had, I've had girls come up to me and go, hey, Pastor Josh, I, 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 I wanted to introduce you to somebody. I, I would love for you to marry me and this guy. And, um, and usually the guy's not there. She's just telling me about this guy. And so I start asking about this guy. And she's like, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, like, he doesn't know God. He's not saved. And I'm like, Rawr! time out. Back that up again. Yeah, he doesn't really know God, but I, I know I'm going to lead him to Christ. Oh, really? I'll introduce you to about 20 women (laughs) that thought the same thing. And see, but here's the deal. The Bible speaks about that. Because the Bible says for us to not be unequally yoked with people that don't belong to Jesus. Why is that? Because you need a leader in your home. And if you have a husband that is a bum and doesn't know God now, why do you think when he gets married to you that all of a sudden he's going to love Jesus? If he doesn't love Jesus now... He won't love Jesus then. And I tell women all the time, don't sell out for a man who doesn't love Jesus more than you. 
Because if he doesn't love Jesus more than you, guess who he loves more? Himself. And what makes you think when you get married that's going to change? So I tell women all the time, listen, you tell that guy, listen, maybe we will get married one day, but you need to love Jesus more than me first, and then we'll come back together and see how this works out. But you know why that is? Is because the Bible speaks to that. I've had people come to me and go, hey, Pastor Josh, let me, tell me that I can get a divorce from my wife. Is she cheating on you? No. Is she beating you? No. No. Because the Bible speaks to that, that God doesn't care for that. And so we've got to come to God's word first in any decision that we make. Because remember, yet, yet again, like I said, we want to take God's word and make it say what we want it to say. But the truth is, look at, look at this verse, Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so here at OSC, listen, I, I told you that we're not following culture. We're going to follow this, Okay. We're going to follow this. What does God's word have to say about your situation or about your decision? Here's your second one. Is this the wisest choice? Is this the wisest choice? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is what? God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So now we're getting into things where, uh, listen, the first one is very clear. If the Bible says no, then it's a no. If the Bible says yes, then it's probably a yes. But now we're getting into what happens when the Bible doesn't say very clearly about it. Well, you can apply this second question. Is this the wisest thing that we should do? You know, should I, should I go to college? Well, here, here's a question. Can you afford it? Can you afford to go? Is going going to now incur all this debt on you and you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to pay all this debt off? Should I buy this boat? I don't know. Should you? Doesn't mean if you buy the boat, you're going to have to work the next 12 weeks of overtime and you'll never be with your family for the boat. I don't know. It's, it's got to be though. And I'm, by the way, listen, I'm not against boats. <laughs> okay. So he's like, dang it. I was about to buy a boat. <laughs> I'm not against boats. What I'm against is, is it the wisest thing to do? If you got the money, go buy a boat, go buy a boat and then call me. So we can go skiing or fishing. Um, <laughs> But is it the wisest thing to do? I got this job or this job. This job is going to make a ton of money, but I'll see my family only one day out of the month. This job doesn't make barely any money, but I'll be home every day. Which is the wisest? It's based off of what you value. If money is what you value, then this may be the wisest decision. Maybe it's for a season of time. I got to make this to get our family to a good place for two years, and then then I'll be able to be home. I don't know what the wiser decision is for you. You've got to decide that. I can't choose that. But you've got to decide, is this the wisest decision for us? Lindsay and I have had to make decisions even as of recently. Well, I'll get into that in a minute because I'll tell you one of the great ways to get wisdom. Of course, the Bible says in James, if you need a wisdom, to ask God. So first off, pray first. Pray first. Ask God for wisdom. After that, we go to the Word, definitely. We see what the Bible has to say about it. If the Bible's not clear on it, I'm going to tell you the greatest place to get wisdom is to surround yourself with wise people. Really? Yes, the Bible actually says that. Look with me, Proverbs eleven fourteen. Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances are. I tell people all the time, if you're struggling in a certain area of your life, 
financially, get around people who are really wise with their finances. If you're struggling in your marriage, get around people who have really good marriages. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, get around people who are growing in their relationship with God. If you hang out with losers, don't be surprised if you're a loser. If you hang out with fools, don't be surprised if you act foolish. The Bible is very clear. Bad company corrupts good morals. And so if you want wisdom, get around people who are wiser than you. Get around people who are older than you. Get around people who've experienced that. And so is this the wisest choice? Not only asking God is it, not only talking about it, but getting around people and go, listen, I'm thinking this. What do you think about this? Oftentimes, some of the stupidest decisions we've made is because we haven't asked the people around us what they thought because they would have told you that's stupid. But you didn't want to hear them, right? So you didn't ask them. Teenagers, your parents, your parents have told you that's stupid. You didn't, you, you didn't want to ask because you knew it was stupid. <laughs> so is this the wisest choice? Here's the last one. Do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Do you have peace about it? Whatever decision it is that you make, we always say this, follow peace. If you don't feel comfortable about the decision, don't go that way. There should be peace with whatever decision that we make. God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. Now, let me end all this with sharing this last verse. And it's Romans eight twenty-eight. because here's the deal. I think oftentimes if we believe that if we make the wrong decision, we're out of God's will, it can just be so much pressure that's on us. And today I want to just kind of relieve that pressure And let you know that even in the midst of our foolish decisions, which I have made so many myself, I've been so unwise in some of the decisions that I've made, a lot. And it's good to know that even in my own foolishness, that God can still work it out. And I want to prove it to you. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes all things to what? To work. Y'all remember the works of God? That God is working behind the scenes? Look at this. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. You mean like even in my mistakes? Yes, all things. Even in my failures? All things. God can work things together for good. Now listen, though. Here's the catch, though. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose, God Make sure that for people who know him, who love him, who desire to be with him, that that doesn't mean you're perfect. You fail all the time. So do I. But if you have a real desire to live the way God called you to live, even in your mistakes, God can make all things work together for good. And that's really good news for you and I. Because guess what? The pressure is now off the pressure's off. That's not for you to go live however you want to live. You've got to live in a way that honors God because God's way works. But when we do that, when we live that way, God causes all things to work. Now, here's your last little line. We'll fill it out, and then we'll close this all up. If I could summarize all of this in one statement when it comes to the will of God in our lives, here's what we, we should say. I want what God wants, period. I want what God wants, period. 
We should start every day praying, God, listen, today uh, I'm, I'm going to have some desires. I'm going to have some temptations. I'm going to have some opportunities. But not what I want, what you want. What you want. If there's any desire that we have as a pastoral team, is that you would want what God wants. More than anything, that you would want what God wants. Hey, if we can be still just for one minute, I want us to bow our heads across this room because this, honestly, out of all of this, is the most important time of this entire service. And this is the opportunity where we've been talking to God and God's been talking to us. But we get to specifically ask God, and I, I want everybody in this room to, to kind of be still in this moment and to ask this one question. God, what are you speaking to me? Would you just ask that just right there where you are? God, through this message, what are you speaking to me? Because the truth is God is speaking. Oftentimes we're just not listening. So God, in this moment right here, God, we ask that you would speak. Maybe there's some things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing anymore. Maybe there's some things that you haven't been doing that you should be doing. If you were really honest, maybe you've been living in a way that you've been living life your own way. God's way hasn't been on your radar. And if you're really honest, it's been miserable. It's been frustrating. And today, God is inviting you to know him. The best thing that we can do is surrender our life to the will of God and to the ways of God. And can I tell you this? There is peace on the other side. Maybe you haven't had peace in a long time. But there is peace on the other side of God's will. Salvation is not just attending a church or joining a church. Salvation is simply when you surrender control of your life. And today, God is offering that opportunity today for you not to to leave here in control of your own life, but for you to surrender control. And when we live the way God's called us to live, I believe we'll be in the middle of God's will. If you'd be honest today and say, Pastor Josh, listen, I have been living my life my way, but not anymore. Today, I would like to, I would like to surrender control over to God. I would like to give him lordship of my life, meaning that, that he now dictates what I do. Because in that, there's life, there's peace, there's joy. You've been looking for it in every other place, but God today is telling you, if you want that, that's only found in Jesus. He died so that you could have that, so you could be back together with him. If you say, Pastor Josh, that's me. Could you just pray for me? All heads bowed. Listen, nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Josh, pray for me for that. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you in the back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Over there in the corner, thank you. You can put your hand down. I just want us to all pray this together. Come on, we can all pray this. 
This is something we should be praying every day. We say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. Today, I acknowledge that I've lived my life doing it my way. And today, I repent. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sins and giving me a fresh start. Today, I turn to you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Come on, OSC family. Can we give a huge celebration?